I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I thought he's going to die. Nature's deadliest organisms. This is a disease of biblical proportions. They hijack our bodies. His body was shutting down. Disable our immune systems. I never knew what was around the corner. And eat us from within. It was horrible. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Christian and Babette Griffith live in Atlanta, Georgia. Babette just was stunning to me from the get-go. I think she has the most beautiful hair of any woman I've ever seen. You know, just big, thick, curly, lush black hair. I am a little more laid back. He's helped me become a little less of a rule follower, and I've probably helped him become more of a rule follower. (laughs) I've always been wild and free. I just fly by the seat of my pants. They both work in advertising but Christian's real passion is running. Just running 5Ks and 10Ks wasn't satisfying enough, and I moved into marathons, then ultra marathons, 50 miles, 100 mile races, multi-day events. I've run in the Alps, I've run in Nicaragua. I love doing it for fun, whereas he pushes and pushes until he feels like he's gonna throw up. (laughs) There it is, nice and high. It's spring and Christian and Babette are getting ready to run in the Georgia Marathon. I was really looking forward to it because it was in my hometown and all of our friends were running too. This was her first Georgia Marathon, but I started complaining about not feeling well. I had a headache, nothing dramatic. I discouraged him from running the race, but there's no way he would ever, ever miss that race. Despite his headache, Christian runs the marathon. After the Georgia Marathon, I found myself in pain. 
my stomach was really badly hurting. I expected to bounce back, get back into training. I had more events coming up, but I just couldn't. Anytime he runs a race, he's always right back at running. And this time, he didn't do that. But I didn't take it seriously. Christian rests at home for three days, but his stomach pain persists. Coming home from work and seeing Christian laying on the couch was extremely unusual. I'd asked him, have you taken your temperature? No. She got the thermometer out of the kitchen and came and stuck it in my mouth while I was laying on the sofa. I think it was like 100 or 101. But I was saying it's not that big of a deal. It's all flu symptoms. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I was very hardened to it and was telling him to man up. That's that's my wife. That's what Babette does. She'll just tell me, man up, you're fine, you'll be fine. I gave him some ibuprofen and we went to bed. But the next day, Christian has a worrying sensation. I was laying around the house and I had this chest pain and I was having trouble breathing. I was afraid I was at the early stages of a heart attack. It was scary. I felt like I needed to go to the emergency room. He felt like something was really wrong. I just didn't realize how bad off he was. Babette rushes Christian to the hospital. There, doctors run a chest x-ray. They said, nothing's wrong with your heart. Your heart is very strong. What we believe that you have is a condition called pleurisy. Pleurisy occurs when the lining that surrounds the lungs becomes inflamed. It's often caused by the flu virus. I wasn't 100% convinced, but what can I do? You know, it's certainly the doctors know more than I do. The doctors recommend ibuprofen for the pain and send him home. Three days later, Christian has an important meeting at work. I came into the office, even though I felt terrible. I figured I could get through the meeting. And I was sweating so bad during the meeting that my hair was wet, my entire shirt was soaked. It was humiliating, it was frustrating, but I've trained myself to suffer. And I got through it. But that night, Christian can no longer bear his suffering. He was sweating and chattering and shaking all at the same time. I'd never seen him shake like that. I started to panic. I think that was the first time she became extremely scared. And I went to take his temperature, and it was 104. A body temperature above 104 degrees is considered dangerous and can result in convulsions, brain damage, and even death. I was scared, man. I was, I was scared to death. Just having her there, it made me realize just how much she's part of me. Babette takes Christian back to the hospital. So they started taking blood tests and urine tests and stool samples. I mean, anything you can think of, they were running because they had no idea where to start. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Mitchell Blass takes on the mysterious case. When I first met Christian, I looked and examined his abdomen and felt that he had tenderness in his left uh, lower abdominal uh, area. That made us worried there may be something more going on here than, than just pleurisy. 
Dr. Blass orders a CT scan on Christian's abdomen. That revealed this mast-like lesion in his liver. The liver is a vital organ that filters the blood. This mass was about the size of a softball, about 8.8 centimeters in, in diameter. This mass was the largest one I've ever seen in my career and potentially life-threatening for him. But Dr. Blass doesn't know what the growth is. If we don't know what the cause is, we have a difficult time defining a treatment plan. I knew that I was in trouble. When the professional doesn't know what it is, that's kind of your last hope. We felt like we just had no hope. Doctors run a series of tests to identify the cause of the liver growth. And for five days, doctors give Christian broad-spectrum antibiotics. But the antibiotics didn't affect the mass at all. In fact, the mass continued to grow. I felt like I was nonstop praying. Babette stayed there. They wheeled in a bed for her, and she was always there. And I don't know why I have to, I'm going to cry through this whole thing, um, but it seems like that's what's happening. But just having her there meant the world to me. The next morning, a follow-up X-ray reveals something alarming. The mass itself had enlarged from 8 centimeters now to 14 centimeters. For Dr. Blass, the rapid growth of the mass is a telltale sign. The mass in Christian's liver was an abscess caused by Entamoeba histolytica. I'd never heard of this. I'd never heard of Entamoeba histolytica. I never even really heard of an amoeba. Entamoeba histolytica is a single-celled parasite. Inside Christian's body, the parasites colonize the large intestine, causing severe abdominal pain and high fever. Then the parasites eat through the intestinal wall and reach the liver. There, the Entamoeba histolytica parasites ingest cells and liquefy the liver, causing it to swell and push against his internal organs, resulting in his chest pains and difficulty breathing. I just thought it was incredibly nasty. I couldn't believe that that was in my body. We prayed together. Second to malaria, Entamoeba histolytica is the deadliest parasite on the planet. Worldwide, 100,000 people die each year from this infection. A single cyst is all that needs to be ingested for a life-threatening infection to take hold. The growing parasitic mass in Christian's liver is especially dangerous. There was the potential that it could rupture at any moment. If it did rupture, it would poison my body faster than they could open me up. And, you know, it would kill me. I thought, he's going to die. He's going to die. Just having her there was comforting, because I never knew what was around the corner. To save Christian's life, doctors perform emergency surgery. A catheter was placed directly into the mass lesion. The mass itself was full of liquid. This liquid was then drained into a tube. Once the infected fluid drains from his liver, Christian gradually begins to recover. So once they took the tube out of him, his fever broke, finally. I just remember being happy to be alive. Entamoeba histolytica parasites typically exist as cysts in water, 
soil, and food contaminated by feces. When the Entamoeba histolytica parasites are swallowed by a mammalian host, they spread in the intestines. The parasites then multiply and pass out of the host through its feces. Entamoeba histolytica parasites are most prevalent in tropical areas across the world, especially in areas with poor sanitation. Christian most likely got the infection six weeks prior while running an ultramarathon abroad. The doctors believe that I contracted Entamoeba histolytica in Nicaragua. I ate a rotten mango off the ground during the race, walked around barefoot a lot, not necessarily things you should do in um, underdeveloped countries like that. Two weeks later, doctors clear Christian of the infection. Today, Christian is parasite-free, but he still feels the effects of his ordeal. Only one side of my diaphragm was working. That was preventing me from breathing normally. But that hasn't stopped him running. Just ran the Georgia Marathon again last week. I'm right back to where I was, just a little bit stronger and a little bit better. I think he has grown spiritually through this. When you go through something like that together, it really brought our whole family just closer together. Entamoeba histolytica predominantly infects humans and other primates. It's widespread across the world, infecting as many as 50 million people annually. The CDC recommends that travelers to tropical regions practice regular hand washing and avoid consuming raw produce or unfiltered water that could be contaminated. Cody's diagnosis was a complete shock to me. My baby is definitely dying. Christy Baker lives in the small town of Cuero, Texas. I'm definitely a country girl. Do not want anything to do with the city. I love riding horses, go to the rodeo every year. I love being in the country. But the most important part of her life is being a mom to her two sons, 10-year-old Chandler and 14-year-old Cody. Cody and Chandler, they are night and day. Cody is more quiet, more reserved, kind of shy. Chandler is definitely the wild one. I've always been an outgoing person. I would like to be a musician, um, like a guitar player, like my idol is Slash from Guns N' Roses. But Cody's not like that. Cody is pretty adamant, always has been, that he wants to be a mechanic. At home, Christy runs a tight ship. If me and him get in trouble, that's it. Mom is just gonna snap. <laughs> I'm definitely a problem solver. When something is wrong, I will try to fix it. It's a late afternoon in spring. I was sitting in the living room watching TV. Cody came in to the living room after he had just gotten out of the shower and told me that he had a welt on his leg. I looked it over and it simply looked like some type of bite. I did ask Cody if he had been bit by anything. He told me he had not. I just decided to kind of keep an eye on it for a little while and see what it looked like in the morning. The next morning, Christy follows up. I was in the kitchen making breakfast, and I asked Cody to show me the spot. And it was gone. It was over with. So I didn't really think any more of it. 
But for the next week, Chandler notices that Cody is unusually quiet. It was like having a stranger in the house. So one day, Chandler tries to get him out of his rut. Well, we got home after school, and he was sitting there playing his game. So I walked in there and I asked him if he wanted to go ride bikes or something. And he said, no, I'm tired. I was worried, or he just didn't want to do anything. Chandler complains to his mom, but Christy lets the boys work it out. Cody's fatigue lasts throughout the summer. As fall begins, Christy is helping the boys get ready for school. When Cody came into the living room that morning, he had on a pair of jeans and no shirt. And I noticed what looked like measles all over his body. Measles is a viral infection. It starts with a rash and inflammation, but can also lead to pneumonia, encephalitis, and death. Cody had had all of his vaccines, but maybe it was measles. He looked like he was in pain. I was definitely freaking out. So, with Chandler in tow, Christy takes Cody to the doctor's office. We got to the doctor. They put him in an examination room, weighed him, took his blood pressure, took his temperature. The doctor didn't think it was measles because he didn't have any fever. He didn't have any other symptoms to associate with measles. I was very worried at this point because you have a doctor trying to help, but nobody really knows how to help. Cody is kind of a shy child as it is. Cody does not want to be the center of attention. And now he has to walk around school with what looks like spots all over him. I know it was a nightmare for him. Over the course of two long years, Cody sees countless doctors. They give him a range of different medications, none of which stop the spots or restore his energy levels. Then one day, Chandler notices something else. We had been sharing a room. One morning, when I woke up, I looked over at his bed sheets. They had pus and stuff on them. I was really freaked out about it. But when Chandler confronts his brother, he sees something even more disturbing. The spots on his skin, they had opened. They were bleeding and stuff like that. It did look kind of nasty because it was like black holes in his skin. I called my mom into the room. You could see that the areas were very red and that some of them had started to open up. And they had fluid leaking out of them. There was open wounds now. Cody Baker's body is covered with sores that are leaking pus and blood. He was crying and telling me that it hurt so bad. He's sick. I mean, he's getting worse. He's not getting better. It was very hard to look at, and not because of it being gross, but because that's my child. And what do I do? Christy rushes Cody to the hospital. There, Dr. Michael McLeod takes on his case. At this time, Cody was coming in with lesions that were draining and ulcerated, and he was clearly in a lot of pain. This was very alarming to us. With more and more of his skin surface involved, 
it appeared that we were dealing with a flesh-eating disease. To find out what's causing the condition, doctors run a battery of tests. Within an hour, they have initial results. The doctor said, this is bad. He said, his blood count is down, his liver count is down, his kidney count is down. Basically, his body was shutting down. The skin is our defense against infections. All of the openings in the skin, it's like an open door for other infection and other problems to come into the body. He essentially had no way to defend his body against death. He was dying, and there wasn't anything you could do to stop it. Cody always came to mom for help, but there was nothing I could do. Doctors perform a biopsy on one of his sores. Cody's diagnosis was a complete shock to me. Cody had leprosy. When the doctor first told me that he had leprosy, I thought it was crazy. Leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease, is caused by mycobacteria lepri. Inside Cody's body, the mycobacteria invade the muscle tissue just beneath the skin. As they establish colonies, the bacteria move across his entire body, leading to Cody's unusual spots, weakened muscles, and bleeding sores. I just thought it was a biblical disease. I didn't really think that it even existed now. Mycobacterium leprae grow very, very slowly. In some cases, infections can take 20 years before producing noticeable symptoms. Some scientists believe their slow growth makes them tougher for the immune system to detect. Untreated, the infection can cause nerve damage, disfigurement, and even death. Diagnosis of leprosy was very serious for Cody. Once this organism has spread through the body, it's very difficult to eradicate. Cody might die. Now it's eating away at him. When you have a boo-boo, you go to mom and mom helps. And I wasn't able to help this time. It's not easy for anybody to lose a child, but to watch your child deteriorate is the hardest thing you have to do. With Cody's flesh rotting, doctors rush him into emergency surgery. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We cut dying flesh away until we finally get to the living tissue. As sick as Cody was, with his entire body covered in lesions, I didn't know that Cody would ever recover from this. I was waiting outside the room. It seemed like I was sitting there for days. It was like losing a best friend. I didn't know that it could kill people. I said a prayer for Cody, and a lot of other people said prayers for Cody. I think Cody had a prayer chain all the way across Texas. My baby is definitely dying. Cody Baker is suffering from leprosy. To treat him, doctors must remove all the infected parts across his body. Outside the OR, Cody's family waits anxiously for news. The doctor came in and told me that he had managed to get all of the areas clean that needed to be cleaned and that uh, everything should start to get better. Surgery was clearly the turning point for Cody. It's clear at this point that we finally gained the upper hand. Doctors wheel Cody into recovery. As soon as he opened his eyes, I knew that everything was going to look better from that point forward. Against the odds, Cody survives. Waking up from surgery, I was really glad that all the stuff that was eating me was gone. I am grateful for my mom and my little brother. They were there for me. And I, I thank my mom for protecting me. Mycobacterium leprae can be spread from human to human through coughing and sneezing. But in the U.S., the bacteria are most frequently transmitted when humans come into contact with infected armadillos. Cody remembers a particular event a few weeks before his symptoms began. My brother and I, we went to the woods with our dog and he started chasing something. So we just went after the dog in the woods. Their dog caught and killed an armadillo. When the dog killed the armadillo, we made sure it was dead. And that's when I got some of the armadillo blood on me. That one moment changed everything. Today, Cody is back home and in school. 
Cody is definitely back. He is a regular kid. But the leprosy bacteria have left permanent marks. Cody has a lot of severe scarring that will never go away. Definitely has taken a toll on him. My thigh is scary because it looks like a shark like bit me. People assume that leprosy is like it was back in biblical days and that they can catch it from anybody who has it. Actually, most people are immune to leprosy. This was a very severe disease for Cody. And I think to go through all that he did and to rally like he did, it's a testament to his spirit. People look at him funny and wonder why he's like that, but I just tell him to say, I'm a survivor. <laughs> Only about 150 cases of leprosy are reported in the United States every year. Though leprosy is communicable, it's extremely rare to catch the disease from another person. To prevent infection, the CDC recommends avoiding contact with armadillos. There was just something unusual going on. I started to panic. Brenda and Robert Bonsale live in Howell, Michigan. Robert is like a duck on a pond. He's very calm on the outside, but underneath he's always thinking and trying to work things out. Brenda is very independent. She would like to get through things on her own. They have three dogs and enjoy an active lifestyle. We like doing outside activities like going hiking. Robert is into running marathons. See, he seemed to enjoy it, so I thought I would give it a try. But lifelong back problems interfere with her new pursuit. So I started getting the epidural steroid shots every couple of months, injected directly into the spinal column. So yeah, I was getting big into running. It's September, and Brenda is training for a big race. I was doing a mile in about 11 minutes. So not super fast, but not too slow. <laughs> I was running and all of a sudden I noticed a burning feeling on my chest. And it was red and kind of irritated. I thought it was a heat rash because it was still 80 degrees outside, but I wasn't worried. I just figured once the weather started to cool down a little bit, I was expecting it to go away. A few days later, Brenda returns home from some errands. All of a sudden, I noticed extreme pain in my head. It was almost like a pressure and stabbing kind of a feeling. I have a history of migraines, so I just thought this was a bad migraine. So I wasn't worried. Brenda's head pain lingers into the night. Robert knows when I get these headaches that it's best to leave me alone, and so he decided to sleep in the other room. I was feeling helpless, but... She knows what she needs to do when she gets a migraine, so I was leaving her on her own. I got a cold cloth and put that on my head and laid very still. An hour later, Brenda experiences something new. Suddenly, I was feeling extremely nauseous. I had to rush to the bathroom. I threw up everything that I had until the, I started dry heaving after that. I've never experienced anything like that before. At this point, I knew that this was not a typical migraine, and I was starting to get worried. The next morning, Robert and Brenda go to the doctor. 
The doctor just said that this was a particularly bad migraine headache. But I wasn't satisfied with the diagnosis because I had a feeling that there was still something a little bit more serious going on. The doctor prescribes Brenda medication for her migraine and sends her home. But a few hours later, Robert notices that the medication doesn't seem to be working. She was very withdrawn. She wouldn't talk. And watching her struggle with this made me feel really helpless. I said, we've got to go to the emergency room because I can't take this anymore. They rushed to the hospital. The doctors and nurses started doing all the preliminary work, trying to assess where she feeling the pain. They put me on IV pain medication, but that wasn't working. The pain was just so bad, I just, I couldn't, I really couldn't take it. Doctors increase her pain medication, and eventually she falls asleep. A few hours later, Robert is by her side. She was laying in bed when she started to convulse and shake. I thought, what's going on? You know, I was, I was scared. After suffering from a series of severe headaches, Brenda Bonsale is in the hospital having a seizure. I thought, what's going on? You know, it's not natural. Seizures occur as a result of abnormal electrical impulses in the brain. They can cause sudden mood swings, blackouts, and uncontrollable body movements. To see her in that state was devastating. Doctors inject Brenda with medication to stop the seizures. For Robert, it's a painful moment. Brenda's been, you know, the pillar of this family. She's the strongest person I know. She doesn't want to impose on anybody's time, especially if it's for her. There was nothing I could do. And... It hurt. I felt guilty for him having to take care of me in the home. It's uh, difficult because I felt really guilty. The next day, infectious disease specialist Dr. Anurag Malani investigates Brenda's case. This was not her typical migraine. There was just something unusual going on. So Dr. Milani orders a spinal tap. The spinal tap showed a large number of white blood cells. Excess white blood cells in the spinal fluid typically indicate that the body is fighting an infection. There was uh, concern that uh, she may have meningitis. Meningitis is a swelling of the membranes that surround the brain. It can cause rashes, headaches, and seizures. But what is causing Brenda's meningitis remains a mystery. This could be a, a life-threatening infection. I couldn't understand why it was happening. And at this point, I started to panic. Dr. Milani continues analyzing Brenda's spinal fluids. We perform cultures in the microbiology laboratory and Quite surprisingly, there was fungus growing on the fungal plate. This was quite alarming and quite concerning. 
Brenda had exorohylum rosatum. I didn't really know what to think. Exorohylum rostratum is a fungus that typically thrives in soil and vegetation. How is this even happening to us? It just, it scared me. Inside Brenda's body, the exorohylum rostratum fungus is attacking her spinal column and brain. There, the fungus feeds on nutrients in her cerebrospinal fluid. As the fungal colonies grow, they spread and exert pressure on the brain, leading to Brenda's crippling head pain, seizures, and life-threatening meningitis. At this point, we didn't know if she was going to make it out of the hospital. What makes the exorohylum rostratum fungus so damaging is that it can make the body attack itself. The fungus's presence triggers the immune system into action, causing massive inflammation across the spinal cord and brain. Left untreated, complications from exorohylum rostratum infections can lead to paralysis, strokes, and death. Once they told me that I risked being paralyzed, it just it scared me. Brenda Bonsale has a rare fungal infection that attacks the spine and can lead to paralysis. That's scary when you have a doctor saying, I don't know if you're going to be paralyzed. I haven't thought about this stuff since then. She was distraught. Um, my heart was breaking forward talking to her when she was talking about this. I wanted to, you know, make sure she has a shoulder to cry on and she's not by herself trying to deal with this. He took it into stride. He never complained. He just stayed very calm for me. He's my rock. I was very honored to do that. Before 2012, Exorohylum rostratum had typically been associated with mild infections of the skin and nasal cavity. It had never been observed causing meningitis in humans. But in 2012, there was an outbreak of fungal meningitis, which caused more than 700 people to fall ill. More than 60 died. The outbreak was eventually traced back to 17,000 contaminated vials of steroids that had been produced in unsanitary conditions. When I had found out that it was steroid shots, my immediate reaction was anger. Uh, it's just uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Doctors put Brenda on aggressive antifungal medications. I was kind of going in and out of it. I don't remember anything for the next few days after that. But 10 days later, Robert notices a significant change. She was interacting with people, you know, laughing, joking around. Seeing her like that was a relief because um, she's going to beat this thing. I finally start to feel like myself again. Two weeks after first entering the hospital, Brenda goes home. Three years later, she is free of the fungus and living a normal life but with one significant concession. I can't run anymore. It hurts my back to run. The most I can do on the treadmill now is walk. But I love growing things. 
Taking care of the outside stuff is my job in the summertime. And Brenda has learned something important from the experience. I guess it, it brought us closer together because it made me realize that he'll be there when I need him. Taking care of her is exactly what I wanted to do, whether she wanted it or not. That's, that's why I'm here. I mean, that's why we're together. As a result of the fungal contamination outbreak, the United States Senate began processing a new bill to grant the Food and Drug Administration more authority in the regulation of drug manufacturing and to strengthen safety requirements in pharmaceutical facilities. 